No, no. Alright. I'm gonna trade you two sheep for that wood. Tell me, honey, does that sound good? Cause all I really wanna do is take away longest road from you, yeah. Welcome to these tabletop sessions. Welcome to the welcome to the welcome to these tabletop sessions. Hello, fellow gregarious geeks and gamers, and welcome to the 38th episode of the Tabletop Sessions podcast. This is your monthly dose of tabletop gaming stories and shenanigans. My name is Elias, and with me this week, oh no, it's not who you think it is. It's the return of the game show host with the most and South Africa's prodigal son, the Mario Kart ringer, and the guy who thinks profession is a good clue for dwarf and code names. It's Double Jeopardy Dima and Breezy Byron Barracuda. Buongiorno a tutti. Hey, everyone. And for the record, dwarf metal is a thing. So if dwarf metal is a profession, then dwarf is by, by nature. <laughs> Is Dwarf not a descriptor of the metal that is, the, in fact, the profession? I believe musician would be the profession. Yeah, so but... a Dwarf metal musician. So what you're saying is an adjective is the job. So if I was, say, a very handsome financial broker... <laughs> you know what, being you handsome would, You is would a not profession. describe my job as handsome. It would be a good profession. <laughs> For some people, handsome is a profession. Yes, people, your ears are not deceiving you. Dima and Byron are back. Ipo is gone. He's on vacation. He told me he was going to Greece, but I saw pictures of him in London. So you can't trust anyone anymore, not even the people you spend all your time with. Uh, it's good to have you two back. Uh, you two are filling in. And uh, longtime listeners will, of course, know Byron and Dima very intimately. Um, so I just want to ask you guys, how have you been and how come you think you're too good to host the podcast anymore? Byron, do you want to go first? I'll let that one. <laughs> I was going to say, I know, I'm sure it's been really hard having everyone's favorite host away, but, um, actually you guys have been doing a great job. It's been really entertaining and, um, most of my time has been spent listening to your podcast. That's what I've been doing. <laughs> Most of your time. <laughs> yes, yes. That's how dedicated yeah, I am a, to this podcast. Is that, a, is, that a, is that a comment on how long the podcasts have become? <laughs> you would think less hosts, it would be a shorter podcast. but They do take me a nope. whole week to get through, but they're really entertaining. <laughs> what, what a great yeah, I, I can listen to the same podcast all week, just get it going to work. <laughs> well, this works I, only like 10 minutes away I envy how close you are to your office because <laughs> I used to get through an audiobook in about three days when I was working in Qatar so um, yeah the other question I wanted to ask well it's more of a comment really is um, I remembered all of a sudden what it's like working with you guys in the podcast <laughs> amazing Byron Bar texted me last yeah, exactly. minute and he goes 
oh, uh, can we reschedule it to Sunday? <laughs> it's Saturday today. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Let me check with Dima. So I talk with Dima. We move some stuff around. We reschedule it to Sunday. Then he goes, oh, actually, I don't have electricity on Sunday. So can we schedule it back to Saturday? And I'm like, what the fuck? And then he goes, would you rather uh, wait until Sunday? I haven't Sunday? made the top three that I decided on, by the way. Um, and I will do it during the podcast. And I'm like, what's going on? And then today all no, no, morning. No, no. Dima's snapping at me be, and not having breakfast with me because she's too busy, last minute procrastination, panicking preparation for the podcast, even though it's been a month since I scheduled it. It's because I'll we're have, you know, so... I have my top three. We're so proficient at this. We, we don't need to plan too early. You know what I mean? Mm, that, yes, that, I, I agree. <laughs> It's, it's, we can just do it on the that. fly. We can do it on the fly. <laughs> you, you know when you're so good at something. Exactly. You know it's only going to take you five minutes. Why take an hour to do something that's going to exactly. take you five minutes? Me and Byron, we get each five other. Minutes. It took me five minutes, but it took me five minutes <clears throat> two and a half weeks ago. That's more what I'm commenting on. It's probably not, because not you and Ipo usually prepare like a top ten. <laughs> It's top five. That, that's true. Me I, very much. I've got a, exactly a top three. Because you always have your honorable mentions. That's true. And that's true. Yeah. So that's why People, it takes you longer. If you hear this, I just want you to know I miss you, and uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to the next recording session. We miss you um, too, Ipo. <laughs> Hope your secret trip so, to London was worth it. <laughs> seriously, seriously. No, he's going to Bali afterwards. The trust oh, wow. has been breached. I would be heartbroken if he went to Bali before he came to visit in Canada. But, you know, that's just, you know, my heart that he's breaking. Um, <laughs> but all right. So since you guys haven't done this in a while, I'll, let me jump in and start us off today. I've been playing a ton of games, actually. Um, I mean, Dima, too. But like I've played a few more and I've been doing some solo games. So Dima, a friend was over and he asked us basically, oh, uh, how many games in your collection, you know, have you not played? We have about 200 games currently in our collection, plus about 50 expansions. And um, he uh, he asked that, and I assumed it was under 10. So then when he left, I started counting them, and it was over 20. And I was like oh, no. heartbroken don't, and, and don't, upset don't. at myself. So I've, I've how, severely how could you do that to yourself? attacked this deficit. And I want to tell you that now we're at about 16 unplayed games Shameful. in the collection. And by the time, and I bought a game, so <laughs> it was closer to fifteen. So when we get when we get to next month, I should cut off another five or six off of those. So I'll I'll let you know how that's coming along. Um, but you'll not call five and six, and then you'll buy five and six. Okay, I just want you to know. <laughs> all right, calm down. All right, I I haven't. I bought a game this week. Uh -huh. The last game I purchased, right? Not not Kickstarter. I'm talking about purchase, and this includes Kickstarters backed. So not Kickstarters received, but Kickstarters backed or purchased from a store was April 2022. So y'all can calm your tits down and relax and stop <laughs> accusing me of things. Ah, no, and have you played true. that game yet? It's not true. I pre-ordered PAX, uh, PAX Hispanica. <laughs> Fuck. I forgot about that one. All right, moving on before this gets <laughs> too lopsided. Um, Dima and I, 
recently had a game day where we had some friends over and we played Detective City of Angels, the game by Ervin Derrick, uh, Van Ryder Games, art by Vincent Dutré. And uh, I kickstarted this several years ago and it came and it's definitely one of the best uh, detective games. We've talked about it in the past. The main idea is the cl- we played the classic mode, so that's the only one I'll describe. But basically, you, one player plays the chisel, which is kind of a concept, the uh, the foil to the plans of the detective, the underbelly, the seedy underbelly of uh, the noir 1940s Los Angeles, you know. Um, and the others are playing detectives and are competitively trying to solve a case. And they do so by going to different places, searching places, searching people, questioning suspects, um, questioning suspects about specific items or people that they uncover. And the chisel has these answers they can give them. Some of them can be lies. Some of them can be truths. And um, not truths, rather, but most useful answers versus not most useful answers. And the detectives can challenge the, 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 the chisel if they feel like the chisel is not giving them the most useful answer. And you gain leverage on the suspect or the chisel gains leverage on you. Stuff like that. And at the end of the day, you got to get in this, uh, got to solve this crime. There's a co-op mode and there is a fully competitive mode where the chisel is um, made uh, uh, sort of automated by a book, but that's not the classic mode, so we're not playing that one. We played the original classic mode and I played the chisel since I was the most experienced. Then Dima, Matt, and Chris played the detectives and uh, they had some fantastic names like Sam Spade, uh, Dumpy Dumperson or some shit like that. Uh, Dima was something like Henrietta Johnson or whatever she called herself. I can't remember. What was it, Dima? <laughs> it was Barbara something. Because I wanted to be like Barb for short. But I can't remember what her <laughs> last name was. That's how committed I was to that <laughs> name. <laughs> we, had a, we had a great time. We did, we did one of the um, middle level, which is like the veteran level uh, cases. Because uh, we, we, we've we already gone through all the gumshoe ones and uh, we haven't got to the hard-boiled ones yet. So veterans like kind of in the middle. And it was so great. Uh, one of the things that stands out to me that happened is Matt, every time I would give him an answer as a chisel, he would he would challenge me on it, right? Because he would ask a question. He would ask a question about something. And the answer would be something super vague like, oh, yeah, I've heard about it. That's all. And I'd give that to him. And he kept challenging me. And every time he challenged me, it was wrong. It turned out that he actually was getting the most useful answer. So in the end, I had like all his hats on my board. I had like five leverage on him. My whole board was filled up with leverage on this guy. So for the rest of the game, I basically just didn't allow him to ask anything. Whenever he tried to ask something, I just used up the leverage and threw it. Poor. Couldn't blame him on it. Yeah. Poor guy. Like, Would you say he was really hammering you? I mean, he was trying to, but he just kept getting hammered instead. So uh, it wasn't. Uh, I, and that's it's, the funny thing is the others were able to sort of pick up when I was lying using that same sort of logic. Right. Like if the answers were too vague, they were like, oh, that's not specific enough. I'm pretty sure he's lying. It just so happened that everything he asked about. The answer, the best possible answer, happened to be super vague. <laughs> so I saw no reason to lie to him the entire time. So I just kept giving him these terrible answers. Uh, with Dima, a.k.a. Barb, 
Henrietta Johnson. Um, she, uh, she, she was, she was doing so good, but at one point the whole case just kind of hinged. Like they, they, they had thoroughly explored one aspect of the game. There was just a whole other arc that hadn't been exposed <laughs> yet. And everything just kind of hinged on that one. And I lied to her. I didn't give her the most useful answer. And she just, I, I asked her, I was like, do you want a challenge? And she looks at me and she goes, nope. <laughs> and just because that happened, they missed on this entire arc. And for some reason, nobody stumbled into that section ever again for the rest of the game. But I think what was really great is that at the end, I sort of told them how they could get to the answer. And everybody seemed to be pretty happy because even though they lost, which by the way, it's my sixth, fifth game, fifth game of Detective. And it was the first time the chisel has won. So it's not like the chisel wins very often, but they seemed super happy because when I explained how they could have got to that information, they didn't feel like it was so impossible or unlikely to resolve the case, just mm -hmm. that they happened to miss something. Yeah, you know we missed I mean? the mark on that one. And then that one clue that just kept coming back that everyone knew. So everyone knew this piece of information from turn one of the game. And then every that, that card one of the characters was having, having an, an affair, affair. Basically. And so like halfway through the game, I looked at Elias and, I, and I'm interviewing another suspect. And I tell him, if you give me one more card that says that this character is having an affair i'm going to kill someone like it was she actually said so i would flip the yeah, she said i, I would flip gonna... the table if i had the strength to <laughs> but our table's way too heavy so it was uh, but, it was really fun and the thing is poor matt so other characters have the chance to what's it called like to spy or oh snitch to snitch on other characters so if oh, matt cool. is um interviewing someone you can send a snitch to kind of listen in to see what information he's getting so <laughs> whenever chris and i would snitch on matt and we'd see the information he got we would understand that he would <laughs> try and challenge it because it was super vague it was such useless <laughs> information and we were also happy that we didn't get that card because we would have lost like our leverage as well so we were happy that matt was yeah but i think that, on, i like, think that skewed your balance trail. right yeah yeah because because then when you got that critical information i think you thought oh i don't want to end up with this guy getting leverage on me going into the yeah. last turn of the game Mm -hmm. And it kind of screwed you because you were right on the cusp of it. Mm -hmm. um, but what's really interesting is also Dima's complaining about the fact that they all were getting this information that this one character was having an affair and they were all laughing their asses off every time they got it. But then nobody questioned anyone about the affair. They just yeah. kept <laughs> not doing that. And then they're like, oh, I guess the affair is the answer. They never thought of it as the leading question. Yeah. And so because of that, they yeah. missed out on a whole section of the game. And I thought it was hilarious that the thing they were laughing that, oh, my God, I can't believe how much they're talking about this affair is the thing that they didn't pay enough attention to <laughs> at the end of the game. So, But that's that's like a classic affair. The, the partner never pays enough attention. <laughs> Byron, did you ever did you ever play the game or, or no? I've not played it. I've wanted to. It looks interesting. And I like the, the way that you said that there's a chisel. 
What what concerns me though is that there's no chisel miniature. No, there isn't. You're more of an abstract concept. There is you could no, you, you, you've got you got to go downstairs get your tool toolkit out and just bring out a that. chisel. <laughs> that's that's it. But you can get a you can get a DM screen for the chisel, which I thought last time we were playing it would be super useful because I kept having to like stack things in different yeah. places and try to keep things organized. But yeah, I think it's a great game. It's one of my favorite. Other than Sherlock Holmes, um, I think it tells like some of the best stories in these kind of detective games. But I think actually it has the best. What, game, what does it retail at? I have no clue because I bought it on the Kickstarter, so I got a pretty good deal. Oh, uh, right. That's. Um, but I, I think, you, I mean, right now it's on GameFound. They're, they have an expansion out. So I think you can get it for a pretty decent price. You can get the game plus the expansions and stuff. Uh, no idea what it would be like to ship it to South Africa, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's a great game. Van Ryder did a terrific job with it. Uh, I think it's one of the most fun, like, mechanisms for, like, lying and getting information and spying on each other and, you know, imbalanced information gathering, you know, and really an excellent game. We had a great time. Agreed. I love being the chisel, but I'd like to be the detective more often because this was, I think, my fourth time out of five mm. games being the chisel. So maybe next time. But that was Detective City of Angels. For, for me, I really like how you guys have described this game. Would you say that it's better for an experienced player to be the chisel Yes. And have the beginners be the detectives. Yes. Because it's one, it's harder to win as a chisel. Um, and two, it's really sort of hard to know how to balance information to keep lies straight uh, when you're the chisel. The first time I played, everyone knew every time I was lying because I was contradicting right. myself because it was too much to keep track of. But having played as the chisel several times now, I was able to be like, okay, I know I'm lying to this guy about this stuff. I'm lying to this person about this stuff. So I was able to sort of keep all that together. That's what you call advanced yeah. chisel play. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, some heavy GD chiseling. I offered to be the chisel in this game, but we hadn't played the game in so long that I would have needed like a rule refresh. And since mm -hmm. I take advantage of, for those that know me, of being married to Elias, I do not read rule books, so I told him if he was willing to <laughs> explain to me the rules about the chisel plays, then I would be the chisel, and he wasn't willing to do that, so he just explained how to be a detective to me, Matt, and Chris, and then the next time we play, either like either one of us could be the chisel. No, I'd love to be a detective next time, you know, but yeah, Dima goes, I'd love to be the chisel. I'm like, great, here's the rule book. Here's the chisel book. Uh, you got to read through both of these. And she goes, no, 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 you read them. <laughs> uh, so, that's, yeah, that, so, that's such a Barbara move. I don't know what he was thinking handing me the rule book. <laughs> so that was it. But, mo but most importantly, Dima, yeah. did you know that, that she was oh having goodness. an affair? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of tech on this table, so <laughs> I don't want to flip this one just yet. Okay. Um, so speaking of deduction games, um, for those of you that don't know me or haven't listened to the podcast in the past, deduction is one of my favorite genres. 
And so recently we have been playing a lot of deduction games and one of them being Alchemists by Mattis Kotri. Is that how you say the name? And um, published by Czech Games Edition. So I'm going to give a very, very brief overview of this game. Uh, basically, we are alchemists and we're trying to publish theories on different ingredients and alchemicals what chem- i believe is al- the word alchemicals and the way we do this is by mixing different ingredients together testing the result figuring out what they're made of what their elements are and basically publishing theories on what we think the ingredients are made of so like a tree root or I can't remember what the different ingredients are. Mushrooms. They they had very weird <laughs> shapes. <laughs> just just go out into your backyard and look around. That's probably most of the stuff. Our botanical garden. <laughs> oh, you mean our overgrown garden that we need to mow? Yeah, that one. <laughs> so um, as alchemists, you're trying to publish theories, but also you're trying to debunk other people's wrong theories or your own theory that you realize was wrong later on in the game. You can also sell potions to adventurers, but the quality of these potions is questionable. Um, And so that's basically the gist of the game. You're trying to figure out what the ingredients are made of and then you kind of commit to saying these ingredients will make this potion and you publish a theory. And then in the end of the game, we reveal what each ingredient is made of, what potions they actually result in and or what elements actually make up these ingredients. And then you, you see if you're right or wrong. Um, so one of the people we were playing with, Cheng, who... Elias mentions a lot in our podcast. The he, guy that Hippocrates described as the dominant species in all <laughs> games. So typically, Cheng wins all games and very seamlessly. That's that's the key thing that always throws us off. So um, in this game, he was the first to publish a theory. And on his player board, um, as you test different ingredients it'll show the different elements that you've figured out so if you figured out what ingredients make a positive green element or a positive red element you can just put those elements on your board to say you know how to create it so when he published a theory and those two elements were showing on his player board that he knew how to make um i trusted him (laughs) and so I added that note onto my private board to to say that this was a confirmed theory. And I was so wrong that later on when I was testing ingredients and trying to sell uh, potions to adventurers, I used a combination based on a theory Cheng had published and it was wrong and I was so appalled. I was shocked and I was disappointed in him and it was super unethical and I just I couldn't get over it. I love that you were disappointed it. in him. <laughs> it was so dishonest. So it's a really fun game. 
Elias, so Cheng turned out to be a hack. Elias, <laughs> on the other hand, would he would spend every turn selling potions to adventurers. And when you sell a potion to an adventurer, you're supposed to um, obviously promise something. So you're supposed to say this potion will give you like this positive green or a negative blue or whatever. And then he'll put ingredients together and then it won't give him that potion. <laughs> That's not what comes <laughs> up. So he would get it wrong, not end up selling anything. He would do that every turn, get them all wrong. And turns out Elias was a quack. <laughs> so Wrong game. I thought I was playing quacks of Quedlinburg. So. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing, but he seemed to be enjoying himself. So there's definitely something in it for everyone. I had a great time. It was really a great game. So I don't know, Elias, if you want to share how my experience was. Oh, yeah. Dima, Dima's been talking a lot of shit right now. But let me tell you about Dima. Dima's the, the one who's not publishing fake things. She's not selling fake potions. She's so cool. She's Honorable. So honest. She's reputable. So alchemist. So Dima is like from the first turn she's able to she's debunking theories including her own that she wasn't sure of because she's all about scholastic integrity you know <laughs> she's a clear master of alchemicals and the entire field so that at the end of the game uh you get to do an exhibition where you go okay i'm going to create a blue minus potion and that's what i'm going to create and then she she, she commits to making two of those two different ones she tries to make it she fails she tries to make another one she fails again now dima the scholastic master of integrity who's been debunking the hack and the quack says these words no there's a problem with the app, <laughs> this is Yo. app so dima is so sure of her work that she's sure that there's a problem with the app the infallible computer that we are going to accept as our AI overlords. She says there's a problem with them. She tries again. She fails. She completely disregards the order of the game. She grabs the ingredient deck. It's the end of the game. It doesn't matter. She goes through it. She pulls out a couple ingredients. She make, tries to make something. Fails again. Turns out this person who's been debunking all of us, calling us hacks and quacks, fundamentally <laughs> did not understand how the game worked what? <laughs> she, what? she did not understand that you always wow. needed one big and one small element in the alchemical to get a result and she had just been lucking into that every single turn of the game the entire game she's been playing just lucking into the fact that she's always combining a big one with a small one but yeah. she had no concept that was the fundamental logic of the game. She misunderstood the basis of the deduction in the game and somehow debunked me, Chang, and herself in the game. <laughs> I don't know Baller. what Dima was. Dima, but, Dima did, you, you know. did you also take home sensitive government documents? Because I feel like you're a politician that's very good at saying everyone else is wrong. But when it comes to performing... It's not quite there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Byron, for noticing <laughs> yeah. how amazing Dima, Dima I was at on, telling uh, people off. <laughs> performance anxiety, for sure. Wow. Um, but and yeah. like not yeah, not but... accepting that 
I could have made an error. It was amazing. I was only focusing on it had to be nap the the symbol. So whether it was a positive or negative sign, and then the colors. There was red, green, and blue. I had no idea. I totally dropped the ball on the size. <laughs> and I was we just so lucky. Oh my god. And I think Dima like blanked out for the 20 seconds that the guy explained the big and the small thing. So uh, she just said, but yeah, it's a great game. Um, really I used to have it. I sold it to Levy, I think. Um, but, you know, I, I, I missed it when we played it. I was like, this is fun. I didn't get the feeling like I needed to have it. Right. But I'm glad that someone in our group has it because I think every few months or so I'd love to, to play that game. So, uh, alchemists, good time. Byron, did you play this one or no? I did. And I remember even then that Dima was also very good at, at debunking and not, not coming to the party. <laughs> <laughs> she did win though, but with points, but it was, it was close. <laughs> did you win this time again, Dima? I don't know. I can't remember. I, I'm pretty did sure I? I came in last. I think I did one. I think I did win. No, no? I think it was Chang. It was, Chang? It was Chang. But okay. but I'll, I'll, I'll double I mean, check. it has to be Chang. But but I know that basically from the fact that I was selling fake potions from turn one, it's not a strategy <laughs> I would recommend. All in all, <laughs> uh, alchemists from Czech Games, good stuff. I have been playing another game. There is a slight connection here. Czech Games usually publishes Vlada games, although Alchemist is not one. But uh, I play. I managed to play a Vlada game, Vladachvatit, that I love so much, and I was so keen to see get back to the table. And that is Mage Knight, one of my top five games of all time. And this is the original version by WizKids, but I do have all the expansions, so it's basically. The equivalent of the ultimate edition with the exception of like three cards or something. In Mage Knight, it's a very heavy game of basically, I love the way uh, Shut Up and Sit Down described it more than any, which is it's a Gandalf simulator. So it's where you're managing your hand over time. And sometimes you have the power to bring down a city. And sometimes you're going to walk two steps, right? Like leaning on your old staff and just kind of hobbling along. Um, it's a game where you're basically building your deck up over time managing mana from the source and your own personal crystal inventory going around it's kind of open world in certain regards choosing to combat orcs and draconum take on keeps and mage towers and lay siege to cities um it's it's a beautiful game um i don't mean aesthetically although it's not bad to look at but i mean it's just a beautiful design and uh, one of my favorites we played because i had Two friends here who had never played the game say they wanted to play Mage Knight. So I was like, all right, uh, I guess I'll I guess I'll run a game for you. But anyone who knows Mage Knight knows it's best solo or at most two-player with another person who already knows how to play the game. So playing three players with two people who don't know how to play the game, it seemed like a really crazy decision. However, I chose to do the Blitz Conquest. So the Blitz Conquest goes for um, four rounds instead of six. And you advance a little bit quicker. You level up a little bit quicker. There's a little bit more mana available. 
So it just kind of like it expedites growth early on and you get it's a little faster. So we play three player Blitz Conquest, no PvP, um, uh, but with two newbies. They were over for seven hours, but two hours of that was spent watching Formula One and half an hour of that was spent getting dumplings. So all in all, we actually only played about four and a half hours, which is, I think, what we ended up at. So four and a half hours. For a three-player game on Mage Knight, even though it's Blitz, it's a pretty complete experience, you know, because it was Blitz Conquest. Four and a half hours is not bad at all, and I would happily do it again. And all that it did was reiterate to me how great this game is. And I believe both Carol and Lucas also had a terrific time, um, despite all sorts of weird things happening uh, at different moments. For example, Lucas, who was playing Norwas. Oh, yeah, by the way, I took out all the uh, expansion materials. So this was just base game. Lucas was playing Noros, the uh, the elf that's so good at influence. Uh, he just kept like, from the very beginning, he tried to take on an orc. Boom, gets bounced back, gets 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 hit by a werewolf or something. Goes again to take the orc summer. Has to run away in fear. Blocks and runs away. Then he tries to take on some crossbowmen. Boom, gets bounced back. So his first three attacks in the game, he didn't kill a single enemy and somehow by the end of the game he was at the same i mean he came in last but he was at the same level of fame as the rest of us so he was within like 10 points or five points or something so that's amazing i mean that's why we call him the comeback queen so it's <laughs> it's uh it, it, was, it was great that he was able to come back despite having such a horrible opening to the game carol who played gold dicks he kept stealing the exact mana that I needed from the source. Like, I would plan out my turn. I'd be like, okay, this is perfect. I'll use this crystal. I'll generate this mana token. And I'll use this mana token from the source. Boom. Perfect turn. I'll take out this keep or whatever. And Carol goes. There's six things or five, whatever, in the source. He grabs the exact one die that I need. And he rolls it. And, of course, it's not the same thing. Puts it back in the source. He was a mana thief, and I did not appreciate it. He stole mana from me at least three times, and at least once from Lucas. But he literally conquered, I think, every single mage tower on the board. So he was kind of a baller, and uh, mana and mage towers were kind of his thing. Um, I played Tovac, and uh, who's more defender, ice guy. Um, but basically, I, I started third because I took a, a, a late strategy card. Um, and the way they went, they both kind of moved into the easier paths that you could take. And I was like, okay, there's this rough terrain over here on the right. I'm going to take that. And then I was like, I'm sure it'll even out over time. But just the <laughs> way that it happened to go, all the tough terrain, all the mountains and lakes and bogs and swamps all happened to show up on my side of the board. And I spent the whole game going, I'm sure it'll open up. I'm sure I'm sure I'll be able to, to, to get some easy movement, some fields, you know, some forests. Nothing. Just horrid, horrid swamps and uh, bad lands <laughs> everywhere that I looked. And I became the taker of hard roads. But it was a great time. And it literally came down to one point in the end between myself and Carol. Wow. I had such a good time. Just really, I didn't think a three-player game would be this good because the first time I played it, a three-player which is with Dima and Mo, it just took forever. But I think it's because I was also not super clear on the rules. 
So when people ask the question, I had to keep going back to the rule book and, you know, so now I just, I just know the game so well. I've played it, you know, almost 20 times, I think. So when somebody asks a question, I know the answer. Let's keep moving on. I think I made one rules mistake, but I haven't played the game in about three, four years. So that's not too bad. So I uh, just had a really good time with Mage Knight. And I I downloaded the uh, Tabletop Simulator um, uh, workshop or whatever it's called uh, game. And I was playing around with it. And I think I'm going to try playing it on there a few times as well. So, uh, Byron, if you're ever interested in trying this game, we could uh, play on TTS. TTS does TTS. I'm always game down to play games. Um, as long as I don't have to graduate from the School of Hard Knocks to, to take on the road of, of hard roads. Um, <laughs> uh, as, long as, as long as that doesn't happen, that should be okay. So was Kirill taking your mana, like the ones you needed on purpose, or did you guys both just no, need the same mana com- just coincidentally, your characters? Completely accidental. Okay, okay. Completely accidental. <laughs> oh, okay. And so it wasn't like a hundred moment. You, you keep saying sorry, which is a very <laughs> Canadian thing to do. But I kept saying, don't worry about it. Just do what you want to do. Because um, that, that feels very much like something Hamid would do. You would just, oh, it's Elias. I'll, I'll take his mana. That is kind <laughs> of uh, you. I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna steal a card. Who's card? Oh, you know what, Elias. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was a good time. They they both watched a, a teach through of the game, and um, you know they came pretty prepared. But as much as you're prepared, you're never really prepared, right? Uh, my friend Chris was saying he's tried to go through the book like five times. Uh, it's just the rule book and just kind of sits next to his bed in perpetuity because he's never able to really understand it. And I, the way I described it to him, and I think it's very accurate, it's one of those games you already know, have to know how to, you already have to have played to know how to play. Like it's, it's, it's so difficult. And you really, when I learned it, the way that I learned it was by watching the Ricky Royal playthrough, Box of Delights, which is a great solo gaming channel on YouTube. My favorite so uh that's how i recommend learning mage knight just watching the playthrough um if not find someone like me who's silly enough to spend an afternoon teaching you uh, as long as he gets to play mage knight as well and that's uh, always a good time for us i'll definitely take Elias up on that offer uh absolutely love it mage knight by vladach Vatel. i don't know if you already mentioned this but what's your now that you've played it at one player two player and three players what would be your most preferred player count? You know, everyone says solo, and I do think it's the best solo game there is, maybe. Um, but I think two players, if you both know how to play, not playing Conquest, playing something like Druid Knights or Mind's Liberation or something that's a little different than the usual Storm the Castle style. You know, Ricardo used to love this game as well. It was also one of his top three games like, like it is with me. Um, and he would just come over, we'd set it up, no rules required, play the game and be done in the same time it would take for the the other group to play like a, a standard Euro game or something, right? We would get the game out in under three hours, uh, set up, tear down, scoring. And I really love that because I do like the fact that there are people there that can screw with you, mess up. I like the, there is no real randomness in the game other than the mana roll. But you tend to have a lot of choices and options for 
how to move things with solo. So I like that uncertainty that another player messing with the mana pool and messing with, you know, different areas that they attack and different things that they do. I like the fact that it tests you, like keep you on your toes. You can't just plan two, three, four turns ahead, really, the way that you can with solo gaming. And I know that's counterintuitive. Most people say solo, and I do think it's the best solo game I've mm -hmm. ever played. Mm -hmm. So don't take anything away from solo, but I do really like two players, mm -hmm. but not, not with a newbie and not conquest. So. That's fair. That's fair. And you have, like, for the longest time, you have been saying solo is your preferred method. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so it's good. Okay, interesting to see two players All in right, let me context. Right. Yeah. Two, pl two player with Ricardo. So, Migesh, wherever you are, whatever <laughs> we meet up, we got to play a two player game of Mage Knight because you are my preferred way of playing Mage Knight. <laughs> that, that, that's the best two player count. Not two players, just Ricardo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just whoever it is plus Ricardo. That's, yeah. That's the best two. <laughs> Okay, so down to our last game that we're sharing today. Okay, so we played Raw this week, and we actually had so much fun. It's a game by... Raw, 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 Raw. Did you want us to chime in? <laughs> no, it's all good. Okay. I like being left hanging. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> you did pretty well. Thank you. <laughs> so it's a game by Reiner Knizia, and um, the new version of the game um, is by 25th Century Games. So I'm going to start with a brief overview of the game. And typically, since it's a Reiner Knizia game, I I can't. The theme was ancient Egypt or beautiful it's pretty, hieroglyphs. It's pretty loose. It's a pretty loose theme. <laughs> pretty loose theme. They're just, I'm not gonna lie. And I don't know how you say this word. Hier hieroglyphs? Hiero hieroglyphs. Yeah. Hieroglyphs. Okay. So there are hieroglyphs all over and um, Roman numerals. And it's like, it's very nice to look at. Sorry. I don't, I don't mean to be pedantic, but they were not Roman numerals. What were they? They were, they were just... Every number was another one. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so it, it never went to like IVV. <laughs> true, true. It was more just like uh, matchstick counting. Yeah, matchstick. But right. one, one. I, I want you to also keep in mind, we've been talking about the theme. This game is from 1999. So no just keep way. that in mind. Oh, yeah. I didn't know well, obviously, that. Obviously, yeah, not this beautiful new version, but yes. the original the is from design. 1999. So, like its only competition was like Catan and Monopoly. Honestly, so from that <laughs> perspective, this game has so much depth. Like I really like. Okay, so I'll keep going. Um, just because it doesn't have a lot of story attached to the actions you're doing. Um, every turn you're grabbing a tile from a bag, and then you lay it on a track, and the track goes up to twelve. Once we've reached. 12 tiles laid on this track um we would it would force us into an auction and i don't know if i'm presenting it in an order that makes sense but every player on your turn you can either draw a tile add it to the track or um start an auction and um one of the tiles you can pull out of the bag is a raw tile and when you pull it out you say raw i don't even know if that's part of the game but we kept doing that is it part of the game 
I think so. Okay. You're supposed to invoke Ra. Yeah. So I just, I, I that was my favorite part. Every time I'd pull it out, I would just scream <laughs> Ra and I would take the, the, like, the In icon. Fact, what was it? What was, I don't even know what it was. It was a big old piece of wood, a honking piece of wood, <laughs> which you could slam on the table and say Ra. Although we were saying <laughs> Ra so much that Kirill kept having to say, look, if you say Ra, there's an auction. So be careful when you say raw, because we were saying raw when it wasn't our turn, when it wasn't our, <laughs> just having a good time. When we were just hoping a raw token would come out, we would chant raw. So yeah, I think we had too much fun with that part. So each player, honestly, that was my favorite. It made the game experience for me. Um, but each player has a player board and um, you have three tiles um, that are numbered between one and 13 and basically during the auction phase you can use one of those tiles to place your yeah. bid um and every round i don't know if i need to go into too much detail but um once you've used up your three tiles um you can no longer bid and take tiles bid for tiles during that whole round yeah. so the other players will keep drawing tiles and um, keep bidding and taking but what's, yeah. what's important is that there is a bidding tile also sitting there as part of the winnings from the bid from the auction so whatever you bid with say i bid with a 10 and i won that auction uh, that 10 now goes into the middle which will become the prize for the next auction and i will get whatever was in the middle which could be a one or a two so for your next round your bidding power is significantly reduced if you ended up bidding a 10 to get the tiles yes that was great but then a two tile back instead of a 10 right so thanks so each player <laughs> i don't know why this game is very straightforward but somehow explaining it seems like excruciatingly painful <laughs> so each player has their player board and on the left side, the tiles you place on the left side are end game scoring. And then the tiles you play on the right side, you score at the end of every round. And then you just By the way, discard I think that's them. A, I think that's a thing that the new version did, the 25th century oh. games, by making it very clear that the left side are permanent tiles and right side are round tiles. And I, I read somewhere, because I haven't played the older version, but I read somewhere that someone was like, that's a really nice addition because it makes it clear which tiles you get to keep and which cards you have to discard. And honestly, <laughs> for the first time you play it, it is hard to wrap your head around, like at least initially, what tiles go where and what they do. So it was very helpful to have them delineated that way. Um, so mm -hmm. it's a great <laughs> update. Um, okay, so there were also, when you bid and you win that bid, um, you take all the tiles that are placed in that row of 12. Some of them are also negative and they could, you could lose tiles on your board by taking it. So one of the weirdest things that happened is that Cheng was holding on to his 13 token. So his bidding token that had a value of 13, which is the highest bidding token, the whole game. 
And we were all thinking from turn one, one, he never used it. And we were all thinking, (laughs) what's the strategy? Are we missing something? Because this was the first time we were playing the game. And we're like, oh, no, he has something up his sleeve. He's going to win. He's going to destroy us in the end. We definitely didn't understand something in the game. And then at the end of the game, so we all had bid. We used all our tiles. And then it's literally just Cheng drawing tiles and deciding when he wants to start a bid. And whenever he starts the bid, he'll just take all the tiles. Um, the row of tiles reaches 12. So he has to he has to start a bid. He doesn't have to bid necessarily because he didn't actually initiate the bid. So he decides mm-hmm. not to collect those 12 tokens, which was <laughs> insane to us because like it was undisputed. And he decides to try his to push his luck and keep pulling out tokens. And then the next round, a raw tile comes out. It's the tile that ends that whole round. He ends up not being able to. Does he get them? Because I think it moves the that token up till the end and he didn't get the two tiles. Yeah. Yeah. So the game ended. He didn't take any additional tiles. And it turns out he that 13 didn't mean anything because you actually add up the value of all your bidding tokens. And then the person that has the highest value just scores five points, which is not great. And so I think oh he God. he got he the lowest so score, bad. or you and him got the lowest score. No, but... I I was one hundred percent sure that you could not do worse than I did <laughs> in that game. Like I, I'm already bad at auction games, but I was particularly bad at this one, and he proved did you worse wrong. Than me. And it's just like he did so bad, and the whole time he's the only one that's played. We're like, plus it's Chang, right, Mister? I win all the games, and we're like. This is impossible. We're doing something wrong. Cheng is going to get 50 points at the end He's of the game. He's going to smoke us. Terrible. He was terrible. His master plan was to be terrible. So um, I'm really thankful that Cheng was in this game because otherwise I would have done really poorly as well. Um, Carol and Dima, Dima won the game. We're in every way superior to Cheng and I at this game. And I, <laughs> The thing that bothers me is if we played it again, I don't think I could do any better. <laughs> but I loved it. I had a really nice time. It's quick. It's fun. It's chunky. The pieces are nice. It's pretty. It yeah. makes you think, although apparently to no avail. Uh, you can be a risk taker. You can play it safe. Yeah. You can screw other people over by invoking raw a turn before them. You know that they really want one more tile in there to spend their tile, you know. But you're like, no, nah, I'm just going to give them a short shrift right here. And, you know, it's one of Kinizia's classic auction games. And the other ones I played are Medici and High Society. Medici, I played your copy, Byron, um, if I remember yeah. correctly. High Society, I bought a copy. I haven't tried Modern Art, which is his other famous auction game. But to me, this one's better than Medici and High Society by by a long way. Um, so yeah. I, I think this is the best auction game Rana Kinitsi has made. And, uh, I've seen the fantasy flight version and I've seen the original version. And I think that this is the most like nice version to play with, but I'm not like that. Like, I don't really care. Like whatever version you have, 
it's probably a good time. But it is a beautiful version. It's a really good game. It's not as complicated as me and Dima made it sound. <laughs> it's but not. It's, it's really not. It's a great time. <laughs> and, you know, and it's not easy. Like, you know, like. Yeah. It's not easy in the sense that I couldn't, like, still by the end of it, I don't, I don't know how to be better at this game. The, so I really want to play it more. And the funny thing is, Elias was saying, you can, you can push your luck or you can um, play it safe. Um, either or works. And I just want to share that from my experience, Carol and I played it safe and consistently bet on like rows of four and five where we would be sure to get those tiles and like we'd bid a reasonable amount while Elias and Chang decided to push their <laughs> luck more than once. Too greedy. And We're too greedy. So... <laughs> You can go either way, but um, Carolina ended with the highest amount of points. So I'll let you guys decide what's the best strategy. <laughs> Slow and steady. <laughs> it's the same reason that Cheng and I come in first and second in every game of Heat. It's the same reason Cheng yeah. and I came in third and fourth yes. in uh, Raw. We like to push our luck. So true. <laughs> so true. You guys like were making me sweat in heat. Like when I would see how much you guys were pushing your luck, it was stressing me. It was stressing me. So, yeah, overall, great game. Really? Like it, there's a lot of thinking really involved and strategy and a lot of player interaction, which is nice for like a Euro. Byron, I really think you'd like this one. Mm hmm. I probably would like it, um, but the one problem I had is when when I looked it up on Board Game Geek, that first edition looks so horrible. <laughs> oh my god! Now I need to go look like, it up. <laughs> why would you guys even consider playing a game that's all beige tones? No, it's all beautiful pastel colors now. So. But but then you know when I saw the new edition, I was like, I was wrong. Yeah, the new edition is really beautiful so, to look at. It's really nice. So I'm just going to try this one more time. Ra, 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 ra. ra. It's time for the Africanic Corner. So guys, after that brilliant intro, we decided, well, I decided actually, because I have all the power today, that does. we're going to do a top three on top three times I was wrong, or we were wrong. Now, it's, it's a bit vague, so it's a bit open-ended. A bit. I like says. it that way. Because <laughs> there's so many opportunities where you could confess your mistakes, and you never, you never get around to it, so this is the time. To air those mistakes. <laughs> so who wants to talk about their criteria for this? Uh, I mean, I, I can go ahead. You're, um, you're going to put us to shame if you start. Okay, go for it. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. Go for it. Well, this is a very hard one for me because, as you guys know, I'm never wrong. So mm -hmm. it was really, really difficult <laughs> for me. Yes, so <laughs> modest. <laughs> and the other thing that was difficult for me is, um, jokes aside, uh, there are many things that I feel like I was wrong about, you know, like mm -hmm. in terms of 
for example, in Star Wars Rebellion, asking Ricardo if he wanted to take it outside and use our fists to settle it. <laughs> or, or every other time I lost my shit because of a board game, like when uh, I lost my shit on Mo because he snapped his fingers at me in Twilight Imperium. Or any of the other times, you know, when I scared Arseni off ever joining our group more permanently because of my temper. <laughs> But not Battlestar Galactica. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not ashamed of that one. That was just good strategy, Dima. But anyway, now I'm more mature now, right? So, you know, I just wanted to say that. So basically, I had to remove all those because they started dominating my list, and I felt like me just talking about how I had an anger <laughs> issue when I was a little younger, and still do sometimes. But I'm trying my best to be better and apologize for it. Um, I felt like that would be a downer, <laughs> so instead, <laughs> I decided to add a couple more criteria, one of which was um, I didn't want it to be whether I wanted to try a game, but it ended up bad, or I really wanted, I thought a game would be good, but it ended up bad, because I feel like everyone makes those mistakes. Like, every game, there are many games I try, looks good, it wasn't, right? Shit happens. So my criteria, because I had a lot of those, I had to narrow it down. I went with, I had to have played it, then in the future, played it again, and feel like I had a wrong opinion about it. Or not necessarily played it again, but looking back at it, feel like I had a wrong opinion about it. So the, I had to have been wrong after playing the game for the first time. That was the criteria I put for myself, because otherwise there were just too many options. That was my criteria. Um, who's the designer of tramways? <laughs> Alvin Viard. <laughs> if I did what, if I if my criteria were what you just said, it would literally be every one of his games. Because either the next time I play it or halfway through the game, I'll change my Damn perspective. Straight. But yeah. but uh, yeah, it's it's a rough. It's true because we just played game. Small City yeah. Deluxe, like a week ago or two weeks ago and Dima halfway through the game was like this is the last time I ever play it and by the end of it she was having a really good time she's like I like the game let's play it again so it, it, he's 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 a painful designer that's mm -hmm. probably why mm -hmm. so he doesn't he's, it's not forgiving and when you don't know what you're doing yeah it punishes you yeah you know so yeah, yeah. Uh, so what were your criteria other than being Albin Viard so mine were exactly what you said you didn't want to do which punching, is punching ricardo <laughs> no no the second one so basically <laughs> games that i was very excited about that i couldn't wait to play and then when i played them i was disappointed but also like frustrated and just really never wanted to play the game again just very very strong feelings ignited in me when i played them like i was very wrong about it um and but i feel like that myself. makes sense to yeah. you be because you don't spend a lot of time looking up games yes right so yes. you you generally leave the collection collecting up to me or or you you try it at someone's house and then you like it or want to copy or whatever yeah so i i do feel like it's very valid with you because you only get excited about a game that's already sort of been curated, yes. right? And then you decide. Yeah. Whereas with me, there's so many games I get excited about just by watching their reviews or think they're going to be terrible by based on public opinion 
<laughs> which I should never ever trust. And then it turns out I was wrong. So, a hundred percent makes sense to me. Byron, what was your criteria? So my my one and only criteria that I gave myself was it could not have been a situation where I got the rules wrong. Because I'll never oh, admit that I made a rules mistake. Okay. And that way it doesn't ever question the integrity of the games I played with the people that I played them with. That's fair. I feel like that's fair. I feel like that was that was embedded into mine without saying so. I think that's a very yeah. good rule. Yeah, I agree. Well why don't you why don't you go ahead, Byron? Tell us what your number three was. Okay. So my number three was gonna be Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> okay. And that's because I first saw it played a few times when I was in Durban. Um, and every time I saw it, I'm like, this looks boring. This game does not look fun. Nobody looks like they're having fun. I, I'm not bothered. Then I eventually got a copy. And man, oh man, I was so completely good. wrong. So I, I, like, I still have thoughts every now and then. Like, I wish I could play that game again. <laughs> I wish I could like relive that moment because there's just something special about those backstabbing games that the similar to twilight imperium how we how we staged the ultimate coup on on elias <laughs> it's just moments like that that you can't you can't write it you can't like predict that that's what's going to happen such a good game such a good game I know Dima doesn't feel that way because she has anger feelings. Nope. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you, Byron. Blacklisted. I, I it, it also doesn't look very exciting. You're right. like Because all you're really doing is putting in these secret cards about whether you want to help with a particular issue or not or how much mm -hmm. help you're going to give. So when you look yeah. at, and people are, it doesn't look like anything exciting has happened, happening, but like the unspoken social dynamic is the game. Right? It's that silence yeah. that makes the game what it is, you know. And then, and then the expression of that with like Ipo at the end of the, of the game being like, "The only one I trust on this table is Elias," knowing that I'm a Cylon. <laughs> like, I had no idea Ipo trusted me, but I was doing my best, you know. So, um, I love it. I'll play it anytime with you. I, I really love that game. But then I went along the same sort of lines of thought where. The game that actually I spent a lot of time like regretting not playing earlier was was Panamax. Oh wow! Mm -hmm. For every time I saw everyone else playing it, it's like again it seems very intense, very complicated. Yeah, not a lot of talking, and then you actually play it and you're like, okay, th there's something here. So I mean, Panamax, I, I love that game. Yeah, it's it's a sad day that i don't get to play it often enough <laughs> anytime i still have it i'll never get rid of it i'm, I'm I, it's when whenever you come visit we'll play panamax then awesome game good choice dima what's your number three okay so my no i have one honorable mention well keep that till the end oh, i know were, i know that i i did i know it's fine it's <laughs> fine <laughs> just let it go <laughs> um so my number three is underlings of underwing oh god um do you want me to mention the designer or the publisher i don't care i'm rusty <laughs> okay so <laughs> basically 
one of our friends, AK, brought it to our place. And I think we were five or six players. Um, and I was very excited because it was a game about dragons and hatching eggs. And just it was and it looked pretty and it it seemed like a lighthearted, fun game. The thing is, the game is 12 rounds. And with five or six players, it felt excruciatingly long. Basically, the way the game works is you lay dragon egg tiles, uh, dragon egg cards. I think it was a grid like a four by four or something like that. And then every player on their turn will grab crystals from a bag and then you place them on your player board. And then over time, you can place them on the actual dragon egg cards to be able to hatch that egg and then get the benefits of that card. The thing is... So why did you feel like you were wrong about it? So I felt like I was wrong about it because it was an extremely random game. So if an egg hatched, it also had um, like a ripple effect and could trigger other cards to hatch around it. And if player if a player happened to have their meeple on that card, they would just get that dragon card. And then at the end mm. of the game, if you had the most red or the most blue dragons, you would score 15 points. And it was just so overpowered. There was no catch-up mechanism. It was so random. And it was so it was long. Just random ass. Yeah. It was so energy. long because we were five people and it was 12 <laughs> rounds. And it just, everyone was just, waiting for the game to be over um it it just it was very excruciatingly painful and <laughs> and i i looked at reviews on bgg and i think that player count isn't the best player count for that game it it is meant to be a light game and it's not yeah. meant to be a heavy strategy game um you can play at age 12 and above but for us, I think it just felt like you had no way to catch up or to really like have a, a strategy that was like realistic because there was so I think much you luck. Can, you yeah. can make a whole top 10. Each of us can make an individual top 10 of mm -hmm. top three times you were disappointed in games just from AK's collection. <laughs> Because AK has a thing where he buys a game purely based on how it, it looks. was so right. beautiful. Like I really and and the <laughs> colors and it and yes, AK buys really the most beautiful games. Um, yes, and we've have we have but, had good experiences. He doesn't experiences. care if it's a good game or not. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was my number three. Great. I never played it, but it looked terrible. I mean, it looked great, but you all looked to be having a terrible. Yeah, time. yeah. You kept passing uh, by and yeah. <laughs> it was rough. My my number three, Byron, I think you might have something to say. The number three game that I feel like I was wrong about was Pandemic Legacy Season 1. No way. I think that that game is brilliant, but it just wasn't made for me. And maybe I wanted to hate it a little bit because everyone loved it so much. Like, I can be anti-establishment to a fault sometimes like mm -hmm. i will force myself to like something that everyone else says is bad and i will 
never like anything that is universally acclaimed. Like, I, I don't know why. It's just the way I'm built, stubborn. But, um, you know, it's not a game for a person who doesn't like to play the same game over and over again. And it's just... Yeah. If, if, if So I mean, it was just wasn't made for me. And I also am the kind of person that doesn't like when people tell me what to do. And it, it happened to be a game that was very easy to quarterback. So the combination of those things really sort of put me away from the game. And I was super harsh in my my idea of what the game was. But honestly, I do think it's rather brilliant. I love the idea of storytelling. I like that it's capped at a maximum of two times per per month. So unlike a game like Time Stories, you don't have to keep doing it a billion, million times over and over again if you can't get it right. Um, it would progress with failure. I love the way that game's legacy element was implemented. It set the standard for everyone. And, you know, and it wasn't like a traditional boring theme. I just, I don't know. I feel the more I think about it, because we did play, I think, 10 months of it. So we got through most of it. Um, I, I just I just think that there was more to that game than I gave it credit for. And I give it credit for it. I do think I can see the brilliance now. And I wasn't wrong that I didn't have a good time, but I was wrong to shit on it quite so hard. And yeah, that's my number three, Pandemic Legacy Season 1. What do you think, Byron? It's funny you say that, because my number two <laughs> is Pandemic <laughs> Legacy Season 1. No way! <laughs> and for the opposite reason, I, th I don't think I shot on it enough. Oh no! It, oh, it's a great no. game, and it has lots of cool ideas in it, like... I can see what the designers were doing. But it's basically you're playing the same game every time. The changes aren't enough to make you feel like, oh, I'm playing a different game. It's the same game. It's, it's oh, the, There's not this thing, but it, at the core, it's still the same game. So if you really, really enjoy playing the same game over and over again, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's the game for you. If you're, if you're a bit like me and like to try and play as many different things, You'll, you'll never enjoy it. Wow. So there you go. Two completely extreme perspectives on our experience of the same campaign because Byron and I were in the same campaign. So yep. don't ever say that this is an echo chamber. All right? <laughs> not how this, that's not how this works. All right. I mean, I respect your opinion, and you know how I felt about it. And I'm just, you yeah. know, I just put it out there. Very interesting. So Dima, you're, yeah. What's what's your number two, Dima? So my number two is actually War of World World of Warcraft, the board game. Oh wow. Yeah. It was so my brother had this board game for the longest time. I think a friend gave it to him and then we brought it into our collection. I was very excited to play it, especially when the movies came out. And it's an old game. It was probably released in two thousand and five. Um and I'm not really into Mary Trash a lot, but I was excited and expecting an Mary Trash game, like rolling dice, just messing around uh, with friends, just enjoying the day together and just whatever, not taking it seriously. This game, I think what disappointed me the most, like the thing I felt I was the most wrong about is 
it it felt um <laughs> tough to come back from so <laughs> so our so we were playing two against three Elias and Basil against against AK AK <laughs> Sergio and I and the problem actually, is actually sorry Hamad was on our team as well it was three versus oh sorry okay and um I guess you and Basil were doing most of the shit talking so you're Killing. the ones I remember <laughs> but I guess so on our side we were trying to um go on quests and gain items and level up and de defeat bad guys. And I think it was like a sequence of turns where we kept losing battles. And it got to a point where we had lost so many battles that there was no way of catching up. And maybe the mm. theme here is that I'm a sore loser. <laughs> but yeah. but when I, <laughs> when I feel like it's a long game and there's, yeah, there's no catch-up mechanism. It wasn't, I don't know, maybe we didn't strategize well, but it felt very hard to regroup, change strategies, because you would move very slowly once you went down a path. It was hard to turn back from it. And it just, yeah, I was uh, very wrong about my excitement for the game. <laughs> Dima, what can I tell you? Life is hard sometimes, you know, <laughs> and sometimes people are just going to whoop your ass. <laughs> That's just the way. <laughs> Do you, I've never seen Dima so bitter about man, a game. Man, it was but, bad. But I, I, don't, I, I don't think it's the game's fault. Uh, <sighs> I, think, I think the way you guys played was poor. You, the, your decisions that you guys made, I didn't, until now, I don't understand it. Like... <laughs> Whenever I think back about the things that you, Sergio, and AK were doing, <laughs> I don't understand why you were doing what you were doing when you had the other options available to you. You picked weird quests to go on. You played things way too safe sometimes. And so you never got any bonuses from anything. Mm -hmm. And what you were failing was not the quests. It was fighting Basil and I. So Basil and I fought all three of you. That's why you remember it as three versus two. And we smote you to the ground <laughs> in ruin. Okay, I'm leaving now. And you... <laughs> but yeah, no, it's not a very, it's a terrible game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It just, it wasn't, it wasn't what I expected it was going to be. And maybe, it, maybe it's, it's, not a great it's something we could give it a second try, like you said. If that I maybe if try. I had given it a sec wait when was the first try? Me you and Illy. Oh yeah, that was. And that was one versus two, and I smoked you guys as well. <laughs> That's why I'm saying I don't know that it's a luck <laughs> thing so much as a repeating occur. Because <laughs> you know me, I don't roll dice very well. It's just when I'm rolling twenty dice and you're rolling three. It's not going to end well in your favor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely felt imbalanced. <laughs> so that's my number two. Uh, I mean, I can't argue. It's not a great game, but mm -hmm. um, but I have a great time playing it. So, um, My number two is a game I got rid of because I felt like, oh, I have won the last 10 times I've played this game. And when I feel like that about any game, I get rid of it. 
because if a game feels like I solved it or too like, you know, obvious to me, um, I don't like the challenge anymore. I don't enjoy winning. Like I don't enjoy winning unless I feel I earned it. So I got rid of Lords of Waterdeep after I won that literally 10 times in a row. But then I started playing on the app with Sergio and he had played, he, he kept playing on the app and he owned the game and he started destroying me at the game. And all of a sudden I found myself really interested in Lords of Waterdeep again. I found myself being like, oh, there are paths that I didn't go down. It just so happened that the group I was playing with at the time wasn't pushing down those paths and neither was I. And I kind of figured out the way to win. So it was our lack of creativity and my lack of creativity that kind of made me turn away from the game. But the game had more to offer and I just chose not to explore it. So being whooped by Sergio and Lords of Waterdeep made me feel like I was wrong about it. So that's my number two, is Lords of Waterdeep is a game that I was wrong about. That's super interesting, actually. Because, yeah, I remember you just, mm, that game kind of plateauing for you and it's not feeling like a challenge anymore. And you would yeah. just seamlessly just win all the time. So very interesting. I, I like that. You, you were able to reconsider that the game was a good mm. game because it became challenging again. I think yeah. it's a very good game. Mm -hmm. All right. Number All right, one. My Ooh, drum roll. Number one. Drum roll. And it's, it's, it's not so much... Okay, so this one is a bit of a cheat. It's not so much a game experience, but the lack of a game experience. <laughs> so, and that is Kickstarter Regrets. Okay. I really regret not backing Scythe. Okay. I was I was wrong to think that Scythe would not be as fun as it looked. <laughs> and I missed out on metal coins. I missed out on cool miniatures. And like a bigger, bigger player board. Like the Kickstarter campaign really elevated that game above the base edition. To the point where playing anything other than the Kickstarter edition is not fun. I mean, you can buy all that stuff, but it's going to be way pricier than... Mm -hmm. I paid like I paid like 100 bucks for everything inside with the metal coins, yeah. the custom resources, the bigger board. Like, it was a great deal for the time. No, exactly. And the, the fact that I didn't do that really bummed me out that, that I missed that. So that's my number one. It's, it's a bit of a cop-out. No, but I would... I would give it to you, but Dima likes it too much. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do. <laughs> I'll, I'll fight Dima and for it. The th I, I, I agree. Like the components yeah. make it for me. And Elias, honestly, he's been trying to trade it and sell it for years. So every year when he updates his to trade or uh, to sell list, he runs it by me. And every year I reject his proposal to add size <laughs> to the year, list. <laughs> he vetoes it yearly. I, I love that game to the point where I bought my niece Scythe Jr. And we play it my, all my the little time. Scythe. My little Scythe, yeah. And we play it all the time. So it's such a good game at all for all ages. <laughs> and the components make a huge difference. It's just not the same nice. feeling with 
just cardboard and plastic. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Nice. I like it. Okay, so my number one, I was wrong. I was very, very wrong. <laughs> Elias actually mentioned it recently in the podcast. It's the Enigma box. <laughs> and I think for me... That poor game. We've shit so I know. Much I don't want to spend too much wow. time on it. I'll mention my honorable mention in a bit. But really, I think <laughs> because I'm all about escape rooms, I love solving puzzles. I think... Um, it missed the sweet spot for me. Like some of the puzzles were so simple and some of the puzzles were so difficult that you didn't even know if you had all the right pieces, if you were in the right location. Um, and like Elias said, it was like a puzzle to solve whether you were in the right puzzle. Um, so it just missed the mark for me and it was a bit janky and the VR set looked like a a picture that you were looking at and they sort of pasted the puzzles onto it. So there were a lot of components that just weren't up to par. And it was just a big disappointment, especially for the price point of $200. And I think like Elias... It was more than 200 I feel like 280 because yeah. you had the special edition. Yeah. And we had paid extra, like it was, was it a birthday gift or a Christmas gift? Like, I think we bought it. It was for you. Yeah, yeah. And so maybe that <laughs> made it even more disappointing because I was anticipating it. And um, <laughs> yeah. It just... It's just, it's very, it's very simple what the issue is. It costs a lot. And while I'm sure to a, like someone who's never played an escape room game, it was, oh, wow, how did it was such a cool thing. Mm -hmm. Like, it just wasn't as good as games that cost a quarter of that price. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, that was the problem with it. And I've, I've talked a lot about it. I don't want to keep going over yeah. it, but the price was bad. And it just, it needed a game developer. Mm -hmm. That's what it needed. It, for that amount of money, hire yeah. someone to work through it and be like, just to test yeah, it. Yeah, test it. Make sure it works right. Yeah, you would get more so, satisfaction yeah. out of buying Exit and yeah, paying 20 bucks exactly. for that then yeah yeah you get more satisfaction buying monopoly <laughs> <laughs> well i'm not gonna i'm not gonna pile on it and i did give it credit recently i did say the anubis figurine was one of the coolest yeah. figurines i've seen in yeah. the game but that's 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 neither here nor there i agree with you and the only problem, the reason it's not on my list is because of this criteria. That was the top of my list immediately. Mm -hmm. But then I'm like, this is not my top three disappointments. Yeah. This is my top three games I was wrong about. Mm -hmm. So my number one game that I was wrong about is Twilight Struggle. Whoa. So initially when I played it, I played it with you, Dima. I played it with Ricardo. I played it with one or two other people. And I just felt like the luck was overwhelming there was a lot of dice rolling when it came to, you know, coups and operations. Uh, the luck of the dice and the space race made sometimes made it difficult to catch up. And I felt like there's too much luck in this game. So I, I sold my copy to Ipo. But then uh, Eugenio uh, had a surgery and he was stuck in the hotel. In the hospital, and uh, he was bored. So he asked me, "Do you want to play Twilight Struggle?" So we started playing over the app. And Eugenio had played the game dozens of times at this point. I had played it a handful of times, 
And he was just, again, this seems to be a common theme, by the way. He was just a lot better than me. <laughs> and I started to learn things about the game that I didn't realize. Several things that, yes, there is luck in the game, but there are several ways to minimize the luck. Understanding the way the deck develops is incredibly important from develops from the early war to the middle war to the late war. The primary value of the space race is not to go up the space race. It's a way to get rid of cards out of your hand without having to deal with the impact of it. So it's an outlet to let off steam. The dice roll is just a bonus, right? You don't need it to go your way. Um, and I just really love the game. I never won against Eugenio that whole week. He was in the hospital. We played several times, <laughs> but I really, really, really enjoyed the game. And I saw why that game was number one on Board Game Geek for so long. Because it is a game that the more you play, the more you learn. There's strategy, there's depth, there's built-in openings. There's, it's very much like chess or like one of those classic games. And that there's, there's moves that you can do depending on the hands that you get, depending on what your opponent does. It, 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 it has the makings of a beautiful, timeless game. And I was wrong to get rid of it. But I do have the app both on Steam and on my phone. And whenever they make the app or or the uh, for the phone or Steam for Twilight, uh, no, sorry, Imperial Struggle, I know that's a different game, but I'd be keen to try that, and I think I can get Eugenia to play that with me. So what I would recommend with this game is if you play it and you feel like it's too luck-dependent or you didn't like it, play with someone who's better than you. If you're okay losing, obviously. If you're a sore loser, don't, I'm just out. don't play games. I'm out, thanks. But... <laughs> If, yeah, you're, 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 you're done. If, if you're okay losing and you will never find the beauty in the game if you play with someone who's also a beginner play with someone who whoops your ass and you will see that the luck in the game it, it's like when i learned to love poker when i was a kid i thought poker was a luck game right and then i heard someone on an ad or something for for poker stars or some random shit like that say if this is a game of luck, then how come you see the same eight faces around the finals table every year? And I was like, that's a good point. It's always the same people in the finals of the World Series of Poker. So it's clearly not a game of luck. It's a game of luck mitigation, and you can be better or worse at it. And it's the same when someone whoops mm -hmm. your ass ten times in a row in Twilight Struggle. You start to understand that this is not as much luck as you gave credit to the luck for and there is more of a solid, beautiful strategy game in there. I don't need to own a physical copy because I think the app is really good. And I think that's the number one game I've been wrong about. Twilight Struggle from GMT. So I'd like to uh, say two oh. things. First of all, I'm totally okay with losing at Euro games, just not war games, two player. <laughs> <laughs> Side note. <laughs> but also the trend that I'm seeing with you, Elias, is you you definitely like playing games in general you like them more when you feel like you have to actively work towards winning so i'm yes. thinking of was it tashkalar yeah. at one point you yeah. were just smoking me and byron and oh, everyone yeah. that you were playing with and then finally eric started challenging you and that's when you got into it again after a long time yeah. of putting it away so yeah so that seems to be something that incentivizes you to to try harder in the game whereas for me it kind of puts me off and <laughs> i need a break I guess, from it for a while 
you're absolutely yeah. right. Like my favorite time Tash Galar was when Eric was significantly better than me because yeah. I put way more thought into the game mm-hmm. and the few, like every action I did, I was like, what are the implications of it? Two, three rounds down the line. Whereas when I was playing with other people who were also beginners, I was just playing whatever made sense at the time. And that's when I fell in love with it was when Eric was better than me. And you know what it is. It's not that I don't mind losing. I don't like losing, right? Same as you, same as Byron and Fuckers of Snow mm-hmm. or whatever. But mm-hmm. when I lose, my instinct is to keep playing until I'm better at it. Like, I find the joy of... Tr- I'm very competitive. So the fact that I lose... is uh, What I had to get over, which I had a problem with as a kid was just kind of being angry when I lose. I'm not angry when I lose. I just know that I can be better. I just, you know what I mean? Are you like, saying that I'm immature? My... Is that what? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> wow. That's a, that's, a, that's a strong way I'll to take it. I'm I'll saying, take it. I own I'm, it. I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm emotionally mature to play. You're, you're, you're immature, but, uh, <laughs> but I love you anyway. Oh. <laughs> uh, Wait, wait, I didn't do my uh, honorable mention. Oh, yeah, what's your honorable mention? So it feels weird calling it honorable mention because it's something that I was wrong about, but not in a good way. So last Oof. year we we bought Canvas, and I don't know if you kickstarted it or if... I did. Yeah, you did. And we were both very excited about the art and the way the cards overlay on top of each other. Um, and it just, it looked beautiful. And although we play heavy games and we enjoy them, we also play light games. Um, this game, I felt that it was, there wasn't enough substance to it. It felt very basic. And Mm. so you stack the cards, you have your three canvases, and then you just score at the end of the round. There's not a lot of player interaction. Every turn you just grab a card and add it to your canvas. Um, and there is a bit of decision-making because you want like specific icons to score at the end of the round, but I didn't feel like they used the art or built the game around the art enough. Mm. Um, so as a lightweight game, like for a newcomer, I would, I would definitely pick like factory funner or things that they're a bit more of a brain scratcher and have you feel a bit more fulfilled even if it's an easy mm-hmm. game um yeah. over yeah. canvas which i was very sad about because i really wanted it to be like a game that we would keep in our collection but it yeah, it, it was, was beautiful yeah it was just i don't want to say boring but not it was an ak game <laughs> pretty it was a game that looked amazing but perhaps didn't have as much substance as yeah like. yeah so that yeah. was my fourth for today mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no judgment uh-huh. no judgment mm-hmm. <laughs> any any honorable mentions from you Elias? no no because i uh I committed to this. What ebbs? What ebbs? You what never commit. You... Don't start. <laughs> probably like another, another five on the page. Off your high horse, <laughs> looking down at me. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, 
don't forget to let us know what your top three times that you were wrong. Um, whether if you want to talk about the times we made real mistakes, don't let us stop you. But please do it over at our board game geek guild. Um, you can find the link to that in our episode description. And if you can't, then you're a moron. <gasps> he so, said it. He said it. <laughs> it's in the notes, and Ipo always refused to say. And I wanted to know what is it, what it was that you had put in the notes, Elias, that Ipo kept refusing to say. <laughs> and now I know. I will always say. If it's, <laughs> so I'm a bit like Ron Burgundy. If if it's on the prompter, I'll say it. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, both of you. That brings us to the end of this Tabletop Session. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Tabletop Sessions. Uh, I know there's threads, whatever it's called. I mean, we're probably not going to be on that. So, you know, Instagram at Tabletop Sessions. <laughs> Join the conversation. Share a fun story of board game shenaniganism. And let us know what your top five was this month over at our Board Game Geek Guild. Check out our YouTube channel where you can listen to the podcast episodes for free, 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 and watch some gaming and some musings and some shorts. And you can find the link to all of these in the episode description. We'll be back in a month. Well, I'll be back in a month <laughs> with Ebo. <laughs> and until then, to quote one of my favorite writers, God damn it. You've got to be kind. Say bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. Tabletop, 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 top. Table, tabletop, table, tabletop, table, tabletop, top. Also, you made a mistake. Isn't it top three of the month? Oh, you did make a mistake. And let us know what your top three of this month was over at our board game. You know what? If you want to let us know what your top five is, that's good. You can let us know as many as you want. Also, I think um, say hello at the beginning is green, and you didn't say it. Yeah, it's not going to be in the episode. It's too much of a – it's too meta at this point. (laughs) To be fair, Dima, I made it green. Did you notice Byron made it green for me? Yeah, Byron's been fucking... And, you, and you didn't even say I was super offended. Yeah, it happens. I'm okay with it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>